0: Welcome to the Seeking Excellence Podcast. This is episode number 107. Great to be with you guys today. Uh, Super stoked. This is a somewhat rushed podcast. So, of course, yet again, uh, I am recording the night before releasing. And uh, I know that I thought my next one was going to be the Financial Excellence Podcast, but I had something. This is just sometimes I just have like a rant just in my heart. And I'm like, ready to share it, right? I'm just ready to go. And so I was thinking about coming home and doing IG live, but it's almost 10 o'clock mountain time. And so I was like, you know what, this isn't worth an IG live. Let's just go ahead and podcast about it. And then my goal is still going to be to release uh, financial access part two on Thursday tomorrow. And so dude, so this one, you saw the title, why do I curse? And so today I was just kind of, you know, sharing my thoughts while I was out on a quick walk about uh you know personal finance and it was just kind of talking about the need to take ownership and how you know victimhood and making excuses never serve you uh you know never do you any good right and i want to address something because i get dms like this fairly regularly you know that's the word i can't say fairly often i get the i get dms like this and i got one today it was pretty aggressive pretty angry and like that's not abnormal right um But this person, I felt like, really hit a nerve in a way that uh, led me to wanting to address this topic of not just why do I curse, but just kind of a larger scale. But I'm going to get to that. I'm going to talk about that. But, you know, what this person was basically accusing me of was a a young lady uh, who responded and she was like, you know, basically to sum up many, many words, it was many pages. Of she basically sent me screenshots of text she had written her thoughts out somewhere else in like notes or something, and then screenshot and sent to me. And I think it was five full screenshots. And I think, um, you know, w- with her sharing, basically, if I could summarize it, you know, obviously I can't do a full justice, I'm not gonna read you the whole thing, but to summarize, she basically was saying, you know, um, one, you don't know everybody's situation, and so it's not fair because my last message, as I often do on Instagram. Somewhat in jest, somewhat seriously, as I said. In other words, don't be a little hoe, right? And if you listen to the podcast, you know I tell you not to be a hoe all the time. Um, and I think that that's you know one of my taglines, one of my lines, and I, I really love it. I think that it's funny, and to me, it's a better way. I think I've said this on the podcast before, but it's a better way of saying "don't be a little bitch," right? Which was like one of my, like one of our driving forces when you're in the military. You say things like that all the time, right? It's kind of, you know, masculine culture, but it's really not even just masculine. I mean, I know a lot of tough, badass women out there who say things like that to each other, you know, don't be soft, don't be a little bitch, don't be a little other things uh, that are more vulgar, right? And so I think to me, and, and maybe I'm wrong, people can disagree with this, but I think saying don't be a hoe is a nice, like a nicer way of saying that without saying, like, what am I supposed to say? I'm, I'm this. You know, I am who I am. You know who I am. You know my experiences. You know my background. You know what I'm into in life. You know, I love David Goggins, Jocko Willink, David or Jordan Peterson. Um, you know, I, these are like the some of the founding, you know, foundational parts of my mentality and, and mindset. What am I supposed to say? Don't be a little chicken. Like, like, what am I, you know what I mean? Like, what kind of playground, like, fourth four year old term am I supposed to use? And so that's why I'm going to dive into like the cursing and all that stuff and why I do that. But this DM was really kind of started off with that. So before you call people hoes or before you like name call and get rude with people, you don't know everybody's circumstances. You don't know everybody's situation, which amen. Agreed. That is true. Um, Then goes on to explain uh, some very unfortunate things that happened in her life and the life of her and her husband, medical bills and things like that, that really jacked up their financial situation. And essentially was basically trying to plead to me and explain to me and get me to buy into the fact that they might be an exception from taking full responsibility for your financial circumstances. Now, uh, it wasn't enough to shift me from thinking that, that, that you're not responsible for your financial situation. She you know, had, had moments where I think she um, targeted or you know, I wouldn't say fully blamed the American med- uh, healthcare system, but definitely seemed to not be fond of that and, and thought that that was part of the issue. Talked about being good financial stewards in many ways and saving and things like that, but I I am of the the Jocko Grant Cardone like David Goggins um, and I think Catholic in a lot of ways of just extreme ownership. You choose to live in America. You don't have to live here. You choose to make the amount of money that you make by by working whatever your job is, and you could say you're working to make more money in the future. But still, like you could have made more money than you made. There's so many things that could have changed and and it could have now at the same time, obviously addressing that there's serious hardship. People face serious, terrible things in life. And one of the things that really convicts me and makes me angry about when people will come back and say, you don't know everybody's situation. You don't know. Like, I feel like they're in in a subconscious way or an indirect way, accusing me and accusing other people who share messages like this of not facing hardship in life of like not understanding that things are really difficult, you know, and I'm coming home from today where literally I found out that two of two of my closest people in my life, two more of the closest people in my life have cancer. One of which is really bad, um, you know, and, and the one that I'll share is, is my, my grandmother and I ask for your prayers for her. I've shared with you in the past that my father has cancer in, in multiple places and is getting treatment for that right now. And so that's three people that are close to my life on top of all the other things that are happening that I've shared with you in the past. I'm not going to go into all the, the negative, you know, the, the freaking series of unfortunate events in my life has been for the last three months. But who makes, you don't, there's no need to make excuses about it. I understand that that hardship happens. I understand that bad things happen, but I get really frustrated when people think that people who promote ownership and responsibility and planning and being and, and pursuing excellence don't face the similar hardships. There's kind of like this, everybody wants to be so special in the suffering that they face. And we do all face unique things and, and unique struggles, but dude, it, it really fires me up when I feel like people come at me and they're like, assuming in certain ways that like, I, I don't face hardship. I don't face struggles. I think it's just silly. And, and they don't just do it to me. They do it to David Goggins. They do it to, you know, Father Mike Schmitz. They do it to all these different people who are sharing positive messages in the world, sharing messages of responsibility, positivity, and hope. Um, and, and it's just, it's fully ridiculous, I think. And so uh, that's, that's one of my struggles. And then it kind of ended with like, you're Catholic, you should be, you know, using your platform, you've followers on this stuff, using your platform as, as an ability to build people up and to build hope and all of this stuff, which I agree with. And so we agree on, on multiple things. There's some certain things that we disagree on, which is perfectly fine. I'm perfectly fine with people challenging uh, my thoughts, people challenging and trying to hold me accountable. I don't necessarily feel like this was a goodwill that I want to hold you accountable kind of thing. Um, because I think that it would have started in a more friendly tone and would have, you know, actually sought to understand more deeply first um, my mindset and perspective on things and then shared. And then we would have had a conversation about it. But I don't really feel like that's what it was. But that's the kind of context that I'm coming into. And I've gotten a lot of, you know, feed, negative feedback from people saying, uh, don't call people hoes. You shouldn't be cursing. You shouldn't be doing this and that. And so that's why I want to address some of these things today and just really talk through it. And so the first thing I want to share is a story um, from a few years ago. And so when I was living in North Carolina, I was uh, volunteering in youth ministry for my parish I, I was attending at the time. And so as a member of this parish, I was volunteering in youth ministry. And I did it for about three or four months before I realized uh, that I needed to have a meeting with the, the deacon who was running it. And so me and my friend, uh, a good friend of mine, he's going to be one of my groomsmen. Um, we had a meeting and we stopped and we said, hey, uh, you know, first we met together and we, I, I kind of shared my thoughts with him and I said, you know what, I think one of the problems with this youth group, because it was a really big youth group, right? Like hundred kids would come 120, uh, and people from all different backgrounds, right? Like some kids were super deep into their faith and some kids were like, their parents didn't go to mass ever. And, and they would just kind of drop them off because it was like free babysitting to a certain extent. And I think they had this like semblance of hope that somehow, even though they didn't do anything with their kids spiritually. That taking them to youth ministry um, would change them and make them want to be uh, diehard Catholics, which is not an uncommon uh, parental philosophy. It's just a really stupid one. But uh, basically what the issue was with the way we were approaching uh, youth ministry at the time was we were catering everything to that bottom 10 percent. And the bottom 10 percent of of the kids that were in that class or in that group did not want to be there. They simply did not want to be there. I'm not talking them about them just being in the bottom 10% in that they couldn't, you know, they didn't know how to pray the rosary, or they didn't know how to pray divine mercy, or they didn't, you know, remember all the Bible stories and things like that. I'm not talking about that. Ignorance is different than, than a lack of desire. These kids, like there were kids that just straight up didn't want to be there. And we would stop for them. We try to cater to them. We try to get their attention. And we were losing the top 10% of kids who really wanted to be there. And my philosophy, my belief was this. If we could train and develop and form that top 10%, then I think later in life, they could get the next 20%, right? So like when they go off to college, for example, they're going to be the ones who are going to lead Bible studies. They're going to be leaders. They're going to be examples to the next 20, 30%. And then that next 20, 30%, it continues to go on and on and on, right? But I'm like, the way that we're doing it right now, we're trying to get to 10% at the bottom who don't want to be here at all, and don't have any desire to learn anything or do anything with us, we're boring the hell out of the top ten percent, and so they're drifting away, and they're getting less interested, and they're not getting fed or formed. And I'm like, and everybody in between is just kind of like lost and confused, and doesn't really know what to do. They don't know which side they want to be on. But we're not really giving anybody the opportunity to be on the own fire side, right? We're not actually developing anybody to be what we want them to be, which is which is you know dynamic Catholics or devout Catholics or a uh, fully formed uh, practicing Catholics. And so I had that kind of I kind of saw that. And I think that this is a very common thing that we see in the church. So I'm going to take a very roundabout way to get to the answer to the question of why do I curse? But I think we do this a lot. And this is one of the things that, that frustrated me that I really saw when I got this, this DM, because it reminded me of another one that I got a few months back. If you remember, the, I think it was the last time Emily was on the podcast, which is crazy. It was like back in June. No, that's not true. We did one here together with Bella Bryant. But two podcasts ago for Emily, which was sometime back in June, did a Q&A with uh, Caroline Owens, my dear friend Crow. And so we did this podcast together. And one of the things we talked about, one of the questions was about IVF, in vitro fertilization, which if you don't know, you can go back and listen to the podcast, what that is and what it's all about. But basically, the church views IVF as a sin. I got a DM from somebody. And this is like, this is, this is what I'm talking about. This, to me, is like the epitome of the coddling of the American mind that has infiltrated the church and really runs deep throughout the church. Now, God bless this person. I consoled them. I wasn't just an asshole when they asked me about why did I do this? And why did I say things, whatever, like I'm I'm down to console. I'm down to comfort. I'm down for compassion for sure. But at the same time, it's not going to, it's not going to necessarily change the way that I move forward and the way that I operate. So this person reaches out and they're like, Hey, you know, I understand as a Catholic that what you said was true about IVF, but I just think it's really important that when you talk about it, you really affirm people, who may have been conceived through IVF because a lot of times when we hear people talking about IVF and it being a sin, it can make us feel bad. Like I was conceived through IVF and it, made, it makes us feel unworthy of love and all these other things. Now, while on an emotional, like sentimental level, I get that. And if this person was 12, 13, 15, 16 years old, I'd be very compassionate. Now if a 30 year old man were to come to me and say, you know, man, when you talk about IVF, like it really hurts my feelings. I, I truly would not have a lot of tolerance for it. I would have a little bit of compassion and try to be understanding, but I really would challenge that person on this. And this is why I was uh, conceived out of wedlock. I think that's uh, somewhat well-known fact, but it doesn't really matter. It's not. It's not really a, an important thing. You know why? Because it does. It doesn't effing matter. That's. Like, I just said. I just said why. I said why before I asked why. It does. It literally doesn't matter, right? Like I. It has. It has no. I, I don't have to be a theologian or super deep to understand that it has no bearing on my worth as a human being. Like I've come to grips with that. Now, do you think that every chastity talk I go to, I have to sit there and say, Hey man, what about those of us who are conceived out of wedlock? You keep talking about how sex outside of marriage is a sin. Like, so no, right. Every theology of the body book I read, I need them to like put in there somewhere that, Hey, have you were conceived out of wedlock? Now, is it good to do that from time to time? Yes. Do you know how freaking long it would take to, to do podcasts, to write books, how many extra words you to put in. I feel like I give disclaimers in every single thing that I do, every podcast I record, everything that I talk about, everything I write about, you're constantly giving disclaimers, right? Because people are so easily offended these days. They don't have the ability or the wherewithal or the responsibility or maturity to stop and think, you know, maybe what he's talking about really is, uh, you know, applicable to a vast majority of people, but I do have a unique circumstance. And we have to be adults and discern those moments, right? To sit there and say, okay, sex outside of marriage is a sin. Does that mean if I was conceived through sex outside of marriage, like I'm worthless? Is that really a difficult philosophical thing to debate and to discern? I don't think that it is. And I think that this person who was coming at me with the IVF, I think this person is coming at me with this difficult financial situation and hardship that they face. I, I truly believe that they are capable And I think this is a positive thing. I believe that they are capable of discerning that, of philosophizing and thinking on their own and saying, okay, he's right. There are a lot of people who don't take responsibility for their financial situations. And that leads them to making more bad decisions. And some people don't just need to be coddled. Some people need a kick in the ass. And I'm one of those people, right? And so that's the thing that really, really bothers me and frustrates me. That's what bothered me. So this is where I'm going with the whole youth ministry thing. What frustrated me the most with that youth ministry situation is that that was me in high school. I was in that that I was in the 10%, but I was in that like next 20 to 30%. And we were so focused, I feel like so many times I wasn't even in youth ministry, but in my classrooms and things like that, like we were so focused sometimes on like trying to control the bottom 10% of people who didn't want to have anything to do with the faith that I didn't get the formation that I needed to actually encounter Christ and to really go deep into my faith. Right. And so I think we, we always miss people by trying to coddle and, and, and attend to all these people who don't want to change anyways. So that's why I'm not going to stop talking about these things. Right. I think we do this with these constant disclaimers throughout the church. I'm going to give you a number of examples. So Emily knows that this is one of my uh, I ran to, I rant about this all the time. One of my biggest frustrations in the church. It's one of the ways that I think that Um, like I said earlier, the coddling of the American mind its a great book. Um, but also just kind of like our, our, our political correctness culture and like progressivism, like just seeps into the church. It really does. And just rots us from within. And this is one of the ways that I think that this happens. Now, here I go. I'm going to give my freaking disclaimer before I go into this. This doesn't mean that I don't think that these people in these circumstances deserve compassion, deserve love, deserve mercy and patience as people journey with them. But I still think that what I'm about to say is true. I first noticed this, uh, this pattern or this style when it came to divorce. I'm like, divorce is a huge deal. We have it rapidly rising within the church and within the world, right? To nearly 50% for both, for both secular and Catholic marriages, 50% divorce rate. Marriages after that are even higher. We never talk about it. We never, like, tell me, when was the last time, and maybe if you go to, like, a very Orthodox church or something like that, you might have heard one in the last year. When was the last time you heard a sermon, a podcast, uh, saw a book, or anything that actually talked about the, the the sin that divorce is? And if you don't think divorce is a sin, literally read the gospel. Now, are there extenuating circumstances? Are there different circumstances? Yes. Did I rejoice when my parents separated finally? Yes. Is my mom a lot better off and a lot happier and a lot healthier and a lot Closer to the Lord? Yes. And closer to me? Our relationship has gotten so much better. Am I grateful that they're not together anymore? I mean, in a lot of ways, no, because I don't think that it's the way that life is ultimately supposed to be. But based on the circumstances, the way things were, yes, I am. Does that mean I'm not going to stand here because my mom might listen to this podcast or because my friends' parents or friends that I know, or I, I mean, I have friends my age who have been divorced before, that I'm not going to talk about the fact that Jesus himself said that divorce is a sin? Do I think that there's mercy? Do I think there's forgiveness on the other side of that? Do I think there's ways to reconcile with God? Absolutely. Do I think that there should be somewhat of support within the church and and, and acceptance for people who have been divorced? Absolutely. I'm not saying that. But what I'm saying is the issue is that we don't talk about how bad divorce is and encourage people to stay together and fight through things and not get divorced the way that saints used to all the time. We don't do that now because we don't want to offend the people who are divorced in the congregation. The same way we don't want to talk about pro-life messages, we don't want to talk about abortion oftentimes because we don't want to offend women in the crowd or men in the crowd who have taken women to get abortions. We don't want to talk about cohabitation and marriage prep and the fact that it's a sin because we don't want to offend any couples out there who might be living together. We don't want to talk about the sin of, of um, homosexual uh, acts and things like that because we don't want to offend people who have same-sex attraction, right? We do this all the freaking time. And what we have to start to recognize in the world and in the church is that that truth is needed. Like truth and love, truth and charity have to go hand in hand. There can't be one without the other. Do I piss a lot of people off? Have I lost a lot of friends talking about these things? Absolutely. But that kind of leads me to my next point. And the, the, the final point with this is, is that I, I view myself and I think that the Lord has created me to be bold. And are there times where I look at the role that I feel like that God has asked me to play and I'm frustrated by it? Yes. Do you think that somebody who who does a lot of stuff on social media, I spend a lot of time, dude, this is podcast episode number 107, spent hours and hours and hours podcasting. And I see the numbers growing modestly or whatever. But do I know that the the numbers could be growing more if if I didn't talk about those topics that are divisive? You don't think that I recognize that I've lost you know nearly as many instagram followers as i've gained over the last 2 years because i've been bold speaking about blm speaking about same sex attraction speaking about uh, cohabitation speaking about all these different things that people don't want to talk about speaking about abortion I think i don't recognize that you think i don't see all the other catholic instagrammers and influencers and things like that who who avoid those topics and don't want to talk about those things and grow and all this stuff it's great i think it's awesome but this is what you have to understand I believe that the Lord, I believe this is generally true within masculinity, that we're we're called very much like Jordan Peterson often talks about, very much like we see in scripture with like St. Joseph, the terror of demons, or like King David in the Old Testament. Daniel, um, you know, just these legends, Samson in the Old Testament. We don't talk much about Samson ripping lions, jaws apart, and and crushing Philistines. We don't talk about that stuff, right? We just want nice little woke Jesus now. Jesus who flipped tables and, and called people all types of names as he was calling out sinners, right? I think that the Lord has called has caused all men to be dangerous to a certain extent. But I, I truly believe that that's been placed on my heart. And I think that there's a lot of people who don't like that. And I'm okay with that. And this is, this is part of the reason why I, I, I do what I do and, and why I am the way that I am, is that I just I simply don't give a shit what you think. And it pisses a lot of people off because there's people who will reach out and they'll say things like this, and they'll criticize. And they think that I, I believe there's some good intentions with the people who try to try to, you know, change the way that I do things. We are called to accountability in the church. I don't, I don't disagree with that, but I think there's a lot of people who think by, by giving some type of like emotional story that you're going to just feel bad and you're going to change, but I don't care what you think about, about me. Right. Like I, I don't, I think sometimes people think that when I talk about people pleasers, that it, I am kind of hypothetically talking about it and like not really living that out. Dude, if there's one thing that I'm living out, it's, it's, it's truly not being a people pleaser. And, And this is why, let me go back on some of my history with this and why I feel it's so need or so necessary for me to be who I am. And this really leads into the answer of why do I curse on the podcast on Instagram and in my life? I grew up as I've shared many times before, if you read the black and white, like me letters on racism and BLM, uh, last summer you know this um if you've read my blog sit with me if you've listened to me podcasts you know about my life i was raised black and white my da- mom's my mom's white my dad's black and i always say that you know my 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 parents grew up on opposite ends of the the spectrum right so my mom was uh raised on a farm my dad was raised in the inner city and growing up i was raised in the suburbs um uh, of Harrisburg Pennsylvania we had a lot of, a very very diverse neighborhood and we had a lot of people there you know and I, I went to private school where I was often the only white kid I went to hang out with my family a lot of times where I, I seemed like um you know I dressed different than than my uh a lot of my family members and a lot of my black friends I spoke differently than a lot of them and uh struggled with a lot of identity stuff growing up right and I always felt like I was too black for the white kids, too white for the black kids, got made fun of school for being black, go home to my black family or black friends. And they you know, make fun of me for calling me white, saying I talk white, I dress white, do all these things. And so I grew up in this kind of circumstance. Right. And I was really focused on trying to figure out who am I, who is God calling me to be converted when I was 13 after that um, went in high school. And I was just like, you know what, I'm going to try this out. I'm just going to not give a shit what anybody thinks anymore. And that's what I did. And I just, I manufactured this sense of confidence to go out into the world. Um, and it really served me a long way. And I took it and I became very prideful and dove in many ways into sin. But I truly believe that that fire that was started was started by the Lord to be bold. And it took me a long time to kind of put some reins on it and to to, to hone it in. Um, you know, and that's exactly what Jordan Peterson talks about when he when he addresses men. and He says, become a monster, be dangerous, and then control and then control it learn how to control it. And this is the reason why I think that we need more of this. And this is why I speak on this. This is why I try to be an example of this is because punk ass men don't, don't become martyrs. They don't stand up against tyranny. They don't stand up against evil because they don't want to offend people. They don't, they're worried about what other people think. We need people who don't give a damn what other people think. It's, It's just a fact. How many times do you hear your favorite conservative or Catholic speakers talk about how we need to be bold. We need to fight against the evil. We need to fight against these things of our time that are ruining our our children. They're ruining our church. They're ruining all these things. And people don't do it. I see the people. I see them all the time. I know how many people are conservative, how many people are staunchly pro-life, how many people are staunchly against so many of the the progressivism and, and evil things that are happening in our time that never talk about it. And that's fine. I don't judge people for not talking about it most of the time because. People are all called to different things in different ministries. Now, what I don't like is, and I've talked about this many times before, so I'm not going to go deep into it, is your Catholic influencers and speakers and leaders who constantly, who, who really make a living basically being, uh, you know, wanting to be like the voices of our time and, and give talks. And they do all these things and write books and they sell books and they sell programs and they do all this stuff. And then when BLM, when all this stuff is happening last summer, when we have this trans, uh, you know, the LGBTQ stuff's going on when Pride Month, they don't say anything. They're just silent. Why? Because they don't want to lose their followers. They don't want to lose their, you know, their their income. They don't want to lose this and that. And it's like, no. If you want to be a leader, you have to be a leader in the good times and bad. That's like being a platoon leader when you're in the United States and then you get deployed, and you're like, I don't want to do this anymore. That's not how it works, bro. That's not how it works. And so I get frustrated. And the reason why I curse on my podcast because I got tired of seeing. As I was meeting, it, you know, as I you know, over these last few years, I've met a lot more Catholic speakers and influencers, and all this, all these things, and I get frustrated. You know, I'm not mad at these people a lot of the times, but sometimes I am because I think that to a certain extent, it could be really fake. But I'm like, man, these people curse a lot. They drink. They do all these things in their behind the scenes. But everybody kind of has this persona that they want to be when they're on stage or when they're out in the world, right? They're on social media or whatever. They have this like persona that they create. Dog, I'm not about that. I'm not about that at all. I'm not about it one single bit. And you can dislike that. You can hate it. And that's fine. You don't have to engage with this. I've come to accept the fact that I feel like my task in life is to spread the seeking excellence philosophy and our mindset and our approach to life as much as I can. Recognizing that it's a philosophy, it's a mindset, it's a program, it's a a movement that not many people are going to be attracted to because it's a harder way of life. I get that. Like, I understand that. I understand that I could have more followers, that I could have more listeners, whatever, if I softened my message, or if I didn't talk about the things that I talk about, bro, I'm not doing it. I feel like this is the task that's been laid out before me. And so I'm going to do that. When I see these people who curse off camera, but they're afraid to curse on camera, I'm not doing that. That's fine. If you, if you don't curse, if you feel like cursing is wrong, great. I think there's a great podcast I've listened to with... Uh, with Doctor Andrew Swafford and, and Matt Fravor, they talk about cursing. Now, I never take the Lord's name in vain. You'll never catch me dropping GD's or Jesus or you know what I mean, and, and taking the Lord's name in vain. I don't do that because that's what I, that's that's the Ten Commandment. The F word is made up. Like it's just like so like shit is just a word, bro. Like it's it's a cultural thing. Like that's actually culturally made up. Um, and you could say that it might scandalize people, whatever. Like I get that, but I'm not talking to the people who want to be scandalized by by me saying what the hell every now and then that that's not my target audience so if those people don't listen to the podcast i'm okay with that there's many catholic organizations and catholic things out there who try to just reach broad masses and you could say they're trying to do that for the sake of evangelization some people will say that they're trying to do that for the sake of making more money i recognize and i feel like unbelievably passionate about seeking excellence i recognize that we're going to make less of an impact or we're going to we're going to reach less people we'll make less money we'll do you know, all of these things are going to be lessened because of the way that we're going to approach it. But like I said to you earlier, when I felt that in the youth ministry example that I gave, where I'm like, man, I, I see myself out there and these kids who, who are caught up and distracted by these uh, kids who want nothing to do with this stuff, but they, they really do want to learn. They actually want to be formed. They want to be fed. When I try to record this podcast, I try to record the podcast that I scroll through when I'm looking for podcasts that I can't find myself. And that's the combination of Jocko, of Father Mike Schmitz, of David Goggins, of Jordan Peterson, of uh, Ben Shapiro, you know, of these people who address the political, the financial, the physical, the mental toughness, all of these things that call us to live higher. But from a Catholic perspective, and that's what I try to give. I don't think that me telling you to not be a hoe, one, that's not calling anybody a hoe. I don't tag people and try to ridicule them. I don't tag people and say, oh, this person's a little hoe or you're a little hoe if you do this. I don't say that. I say, don't be a little hoe. That's my that's my code term for everybody who listens and follows along for don't be weak, don't be soft, don't make excuses, don't be a coward. That's just the way that I say it. And people aren't going to like that. And people are going to criticize. And this is somebody who, this is, how, this is how it often goes, right? Somebody who doesn't have a following, somebody who's not publicly doing ministry, somebody who's not. And they always have all these words and all these thoughts and ideas of how you should change and how you should do things differently. Dude, when I tell you That discouragement comes every single day. Hardship comes every single day in your life and in mine. I face discouragement on this podcast, on the things that we're doing, on my writing every week. Every week, there's times where I'm like, should we just stop, man? You know, I think about all the messes, all the difficulty, all the problems that we have, all the the potential hate that we could face in the future, all the hate that we have faced in the past. I think about it every week. There's a solid day where I'm just like down in the dumps. I'm just like, man, I just, I should just stop but we don't. We don't stop. And we're never going to stop. And the devil, and like, this is the thing that that I think is really important is the devil wants to discourage you. The devil wants to keep you down. I talk about this almost every single podcast and you have to be the one to stand up, get back up every time you get knocked down and just look him in the face and say, I'm not going to effing quit no matter what you do. I want him to be discouraged. That's what, that's what Goggins is always talking about with like taking souls of, of just like being a savage. He talks about Rocky, um the first rocky movie when rocky goes the distance with apollo creed and round 14 when rocky gets up and apollo just turns around he's just like devastated that rocky got up he's like how did how is this man getting up again and he talks about that and goggins talks about when he broke the pull-up record of playing that the the music going the distance in that plays during that that fight scene he listened to it for seven hours straight seven and a half hours straight i think it was it's insane but just not going to give up. I want to be, I just want to be a great discourager of the devil. That is my hope. And so all these people who out there who don't like that, I curse, who don't like, then stop effing listening. That's my suggestion. That's my advice to you. You might not like that. Maybe that's not kind. Perhaps in the future, I'll look back and I'll say, man, I should have cursed less. Maybe I'll apologize for it. And if I feel like I'm really wrong and I'm convicted of that in the future, then I'll apologize for it. But for now, part of the reason why I curse is it's who I am. I curse when I'm off screen. I curse when I'm on I curse when I get worked up and rant. I think that it helps me to drive my message home. I think it helps me to express myself more passionately. Um, And it's just part of who I've been. I used to curse a ton more and say a lot more worse words and and terrible things, both when I was in high school and when I was in the army. But this is who I feel like I am. I'm the type of guy who's who's, who's not afraid to say shit every now and then. I'm the type of guy who drinks bourbon and whiskey. I'm the type of guy who has tattoos, who likes to bro lift. This isn't for everybody. I get that. You don't have to to follow along. There could be 10 people here listening every week and I would still do this. It doesn't matter. I'm not doing it for that. I'm not doing it for your approval. I'm not doing it for you to like me more. I'm not doing it for money. I'm not doing it to to become popular and famous and Instagram famous and be one of these freaking Catholic, uh, you know, uh, like, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, Reality, like, yeah, we got like a bunch of like Catholic reality stars now who like operate on this like, mysteriousness and and kind of mystique and all this stuff just for more followers and intrigue and all this like i don't i don't care dude i try to be funny every now and then and i feel like people always get pissed off when i try to be funny it's the same shit you see dave Chappelle and other comedians facing like i'm not a comedian by any means but what i'm saying is we have this like just just crackdown on humor anything that tries to be funny and tries to like relate to more people it's impossible you're always going to receive some type of critic and so truly to the people that I've, I've offended that I've heard in the past, I'm sorry that I've hurt people. I'm sorry that I've said things sometimes that weren't right. I apologize for saying things that have been rude and hurtful at times. When I get aggressive and I get worked up. But at the same time, I'm not. And, and the other thing, uh, my other disclaimer, my 18th disclaimer of my I Hate Disclaimers podcast is I don't want to be the type of person who just says, this is the way I am. I'm not going to change. I've met a lot of those people in my life, and it really pisses me off. But that's not what I'm saying here. I'm telling you that I believe that God has made me to be bold, dangerous, and courageous. And that's this is how I go about executing that. And I'm still figuring it out. As as I am with a lot of things that we talk about, I'm still figuring out a lot of this stuff, right? So Seeking Excellence, we're trying to build this movement of people who are going to take ownership of their life, be intentional, be disciplined in all seven pillars of excellence. And I'm still learning how to do a lot of that myself. You know, relationships, marriage is going to be a big one of that. I'm not married yet. Right. Parenting is going to be a big part of that. I'm not I'm not a parent yet. So I can't speak to a lot of those things. So we're going to be learning a lot of this stuff together. But I do believe that this philosophy and these principles are the best way to live. And so I'm going to piss people off every now and then. I guess I truly, I truly don't give a shit. I, I literally I literally don't care at all. Sometimes I get frustrated. But the reason why I get frustrated is because th- because of what I talked about with the constant disclaimers and how we avoid saving souls for the sake of not offending people. And to me, that is not a, a, a just trade. It's not a fair trade. And we need to be more bold with the truth while also being charitable and loving. And so one-off in those one-off conversations, yes, I will be charitable. I will be compassionate. I will suffer with you. I will weep with those who weep and rejoice with those who rejoice like Romans 12 tells us to. But when I'm talking to my people, when I'm talking to the people who are on this journey with us, I'm here to give you the kick in the ass you need if you're that type of person who needs that. Some people need a pat on the back. Some people need a a kick in the ass and we all need both every now and then but a lot of us just need to be challenged we need to be pushed we need to be told to not be a little ho so we can really get our lives together more often and so i think that's important and i've had i've had priest friends reach out and and other you know great catholic people who have reached out and love some of the things that i push push out and put out there that other people hate and that's okay because i don't care you know one of my favorite one of my favorite stories i always like to tell people is, you know, when I really started to become cocky and confident when I was in high school, which I, like I said, I went to the extreme with it there for a long time, um, was people kind of picked up on that, right? And they're like, okay, this guy's cocky. He's kind of arrogant. He's confident, whatever. And so people like later in my life and in college and stuff would always be like, oh, I don't want to compliment you too much because I don't want to blow your head up. I don't want to make you have a big head and all this. And I might have shared this on a podcast before too. But I am very careful about the words that I like, go that come into my ears or I read. Um, and like protecting my heart from them. Right. So I don't let good news, good feedback or positive feedback. I, 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 I observe it all first. I have to evaluate it and see if I'm going to let it actually reach my heart. The people who are close to me, obviously Emily, my mom, you know, my close friends, their words, I allow to get in there a lot quicker, right? They kind of have a badge. that gets past the security um, of my heart. I think that you should always have an access control point to your heart, you know, to your, your, your sensitive center. And Cause I think that you need to still have that right. In order to be loving, to be compassionate, to be gentle. But I always would tell people, I'm like, man, like, I don't, I don't say this to people when they're like, Oh, I don't want to give you a big head or whatever. But I'm like, you literally can't because I don't care what you think. Right now. I don't mean to say that. I don't need the encouragement. I don't need the positive feedback because I do. But I think that people assume when they say they want to give me a big head that you, you have to assume that you have the power to do both. You must have the power to give me a big head and the power to knock me off and to discourage me. And I don't want you to have either one, right? I love, uh, you know, the poem, if by Rudyard Kipling, I want to do a whole podcast on it. I think it's like four podcasts on it, honestly. Um, But there's a line in there where he says, if you can talk with crowds and keep your virtue or walk with Kings, nor lose the common touch. And then this is the line that I love. If neither foes nor loving friends can hurt you. If all men count with you, but none too much. If neither foes nor loving friends can hurt you. If all men count with you, but none too much. That's how I try to live my life, man. I just, I, you know, I don't let the people who discourage me or don't want me to do this. Like, I don't care what you think. People who give me encouragement, it's great. And I appreciate it and I need it for sure. Um, But, but to think that like, you're going to really change and impact the way that I see myself, it's not going to happen. I'm very committed to not doing that. I'm very committed to not becoming one of these people, no matter what happens with Seeking Excellence, no matter what happens with the podcast, with my books, all this stuff. Like I'm not special. I'm not somebody that's important. Like I I never want to be that type of person. I think those people are are douchebags. I think that they're, uh, you know, the worst in a lot of ways. Um, Like I, I never want to have any type of like star mentality or any of this stuff, like no matter what happens in the future. And so in order to do that, I have to keep myself calm keep myself centered and say, you know, always come back to that. My favorite Abraham Lincoln quote, where somebody says, you know, do you think God is on your side? He's being interviewed or he's talking to a reporter and he said, you know, the question is never if, if God's on our side, but if we're on God's side, cause God's always right. And so I think that, you know, as we are the church militant here on earth, some of us have, have more violent missions that, that offends those who are, um, you know, uh, more behind the lines. And I'm not saying that I'm some hero out here on the front lines, cause I'm not, those people are the martyrs who are, are, are you know, serving in, in Haiti um, like my friend Leanne, who are serving in Afghanistan, the Middle East, serving in places like Egypt where Christianity is all but illegal, serving in China. Those are the heroes. You know, I'm just bold enough to to say that I'm pro-life, that I think people shouldn't live together before they're married. I think uh, you know, a lot of other things that I don't need to get into right now. But that doesn't make me heroic. I just think that we're surrounded by so many people who are cowards and afraid to be bold that when everybody is, we try to, you know, we try to beat them down. It's the crabs in a bucket kind of mentality, right? somebody starts trying to crawl out and get up and we want to start pulling them down. We see it happen all the time in all types of different communities. And I think it happens in the church. And I think it's really effing sad. Um, I think it's really, really tragic that we see this, that we see somebody, you know, I don't know this person's story, this person's background, um, but there's nothing encouraging about it. It's just discouragement. It doesn't really serve to to build up in any way. Um, I think it's tragic that you see that because people, you know, we always hear this stuff about people are facing battles that you don't know and all this and there's no benefit of the doubt. There's so much ugliness that comes along with a lot of the criticism and stuff that we throw at each other within the church. Um, and there can be a lot of malicious intent behind it. And I just think it's really sad. I wish we could just honestly have honest discussions and honest conversations about these things because I think it's really important. And I'd love to have more people on the podcast who disagree with me or who want to debate things or just to show that we can, we can do that. I'm, I'm grateful for my friends in my life who do disagree with me and we're able to have these conversations and we're able to be different. We're able to be different than each other. I think that's okay. Some people don't curse. Some people do. Some people don't aren't bold about their, their political views or their views of certain social issues and some people are. But I think to, to not be that, to, to be on the side that is a little bit safer and then criticize those who are going out into the more dangerous territory, it's a tough spot to be in. And so I just want you to know from me, from the bottom of my heart, that I don't care what you think. Um, I'm grateful for the people who provide me encouragement and support I'm grateful for the people who hold me accountable when I need to be held accountable and try to challenge me to be a better man, because I need that as well. But for, for the people who are just out here to discourage, uh, you know, better luck next time. Uh, we hope the best for you. We're praying for you. I truly do try to pray for the people who I think dislike me and hate me the most in this world um, on a regular basis. I'll be going to adoration and mass tomorrow morning, and I'll be praying for you there. And uh, just know that I think we should always lead with compassion and be loving But we also have to have the truth and we need to hear these messages. There's a reason why Jordan Peterson is rising. There's a reason why David Goggins and Jocko, why people are just flocking to them, because people want to be told to be better, that they can be better, that there is a better future out there for you. And I think that I do believe and I stand strong to what I said today, that making excuses and adopting a victim mentality will never help your life. It will never improve your situation. It will never improve the man or woman that you are, and it will never help you to become the man or woman that you're capable of becoming. And so I hope you continue to fight hard, go work out, do your prayers, get your reading in today, fight hard and strive to be your best. God bless.